Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hey, welcome to Israel and You. And today I am going to try to answer an age-long question, and it's a, a, a troubling issue today. It's called replacement theology, and there's those in seminaries across America, churches across America, that are now uh, digging up this age-long theology known as replacement theology. It started with the early church fathers who demonized Jews and said the church has uh, replaced the Jewish people. The Jewish people will all burn in hell and uh, because they uh, you know, kill Jesus. And so this, this whole doctrine of deicide, the killing of God, uh, just spread through the Middle Ages with this terrible theology known as replacement theology. And it's uh, been dug up again. It was the theology that caused German Christians uh, to commit genocide during the Holocaust. And the last 20 years, we've seen this theology, also known as supersessionism, that the church has superseded Israel, that uh, the church has triumphed over Israel, so it's also known as triumphalism. And so today, in some of our major uh, Christian universities, this heresy is being fomented once again. And in this past week, um, a vicar in Great Britain, his name is Stephen Zeiser, he was uh, censored by the Church of England for years and years and years of anti-Semitic behavior. And um, he wasn't censored because he's uh, anti-Zionist. In other words, he doesn't believe uh, that the, the Jewish people should be living in the land of Israel. He doesn't believe that churches should be supporting uh, Zionism, the return of Jews to their own land. He actually says that Christians who support Israel are an abomination to God. They have repudiated the Bible and they've repudiated Jesus. So according to this replacement theologian, Stephen Zeiser, he believes that any, any one of you uh, in the listening audience that supports the state of Israel, if you love Jewish people, uh, he proclaims that you are an abomination to God and you've repudiated the Bible and repudiated Jesus. So very, very drastic language coming from Stephen Zeiser. But over the last 15 years, 20 years or so, he has partnered with terrorists. He has had his photograph taken with the head of the military wing of um, Hezbollah, a terrorist organization bent on wiping Israel off the map. He took the photograph of this terrorist and proudly uh, put it onto his website He's hung out with Holocaust deniers. He has um, put on his website, uh, posted articles on his website, uh, blaming Israel uh, for being involved in 9-11. So this guy has a, a very storied past of anti-Semitic behavior. And finally, after about 12 years of uh, the British Jewish community, the, the deputies of the British Jewish community, it's an organization, uh, they've been appealing to the Church of England for about 12 years to please uh, cause this man to stop what he's doing. It's very, very um, 
humiliating to the Jewish community, the things that he's being allowed to say from his pulpit, from his nonprofit organization. So finally, after 12 years, and if it hadn't been for the Jewish community protesting and writing complaints about this man's behavior, uh, this probably would have never been dealt with by the church. He would have uh, been able to go on. And so finally, there was 11 complaints coming from uh, the Jewish community of Great Britain, and there was a tribunal that met uh, last year, and then finally in December, the, the tribunal finished its exploration, and last week, uh, a week and a few days ago, uh, finally they came down with their judgment, and out of the 11 allegations of anti-Semitic behavior, that was well-researched by the Jewish community. They had lawyers that researched all of his writings and his speakings and his relationships with terrorists. And out of the 11 allegations, only four of them were uh, deemed to be um, uh, activity or behavior unbecoming of a minister. And out of the four, he was found guilty of only one charge of anti-Semitic behavior, which is like a breathtaking decision that they rejected seven out of the 11 of the complaints, and out of all the 11 complaints, only found in one instance where he was uh, anti-Semitic in his behavior. And what's interesting, he had a long line of uh, ministers, clergy, academics, and even a bishop who stood in line at the tribunal to defend him and proclaim that you know this is, he's a nice guy he's he's not uh, anti-Semite and at the end of the Church of England's tribunal decision uh, they said you know he's he's done all these terrible things yes he's he's uh, behaved in in a way that's unbecoming to a minister of the gospel but we don't believe that his nature is anti-Semitic so that's like saying you know, you know this guy here in the states. He, um, he just loves burning down people's homes. In fact, over the last 15 years, he's burned down 50 of his neighbors' homes. Uh, but we don't believe that his nature is that of a pyromaniac. And so that's kind of like the conclusion over St- Stephen Zeiser. All this anti-Semitic behavior, uh, writing things like, you know, any Christian that would support Israel is an abomination to God, um, posting things about uh, his belief that 9-11 was a Jewish conspiracy, yet none of that would deem the man as having any anti-Semitic leanings whatsoever. So I think the Church of England, the reason why they, they um, took him 12 years to do this is because the Church of England is about 90% replacement theology. And that's why they had a real hard time bringing justice to this uh, vicar, Stephen Zeiser. In fact, here in the States, one of Stephen Zeiser's colleagues is Dr. Gary Burge, who was at my alma mater, uh, Wheaton College, for 15 years, fomenting uh, the whole idea of the Jews are not, uh, don't, the land does not belong to them. God is not concerned about the land of Israel. He now has a global uh, you know, burden for the nations, but he's no longer even concerned with the land of Israel. And by the way, a little advertisement here. If you want to read uh, the article I wrote this week about Stephen Zeiser, 
Uh, it's entitled uh, UK Clergyman Defrocked by the Church of England Finally and What Took Them So Long. And you can find that article on the Times of Israel. So I write weekly for the Times of Israel in Jerusalem. And you can just uh, type in my name, Google my name, Aaron David Free, the Times of Israel. And my name is spelled F-R-U-H, Times of Israel. And you can pull up my blog posts and articles. And uh, if you'll scroll down, you'll see the, the archive of all the articles. But the article that just came out is entitled UK uh, finally, uh, you know, defrocks a, a clergyman for anti-Semitic behavior. Uh, that just came out this morning. So let me read you this quote. It's by Dr. Gary Burge, who is a very close uh, friend of Stephen, Stephen Zeiser. And, and, and Burge says of Zyber, Zeiser, uh, no one has done more for this issue of anti-Zionism and he's applauding Stephen Zeiser for all of his work over these years of his replacement theology and anti-Zionist <clears throat> behavior. What is a Zionist? Just someone that believes that God has a purpose for the Jewish people and is returning them to their land in the last days, according to Ezekiel 37, where God's going to draw his chosen people from the four corners of the earth back to the land of Israel. So is the land important to God? And that's the question we want to answer today. And this quote is by Gary Burge. Here's what he says. At no point do the earliest Christians view the Holy Land as a locus of divine activity to which the people of the Roman Empire must be drawn. They do not promote the Holy Land either for the Jew or for the Christian as a vital aspect of faith. The early Christians possessed no territorial theology. Early Christian preaching is utterly uninterested in a Jewish eschatology devoted to the restoration of the land. The kingdom of Christ began in Judea and is historically anchored there, but it is not tethered to a political realization of that kingdom in the Holy Land. So that's Dr. Gary Birch, who's basically saying <clears throat> there's no place in the New Testament that talks about the land of Israel. And the question is, is that true? So here's another quote from, from Dr. Burge. This is in my book that I wrote with Coach Bill McCartney from Promise Keeper's Two-Minute Warning, Why It's Time to Honor Jewish People Before the Clock Runs Out. This is on page uh, 112. And I say here, Coach and I say here, let's listen to Dr. Gary Burge in his own words. And here's what he says. But the most important critique, and here I think we discover the Achilles heel, is that Christian Zionism, that's... Christians like you and I that believe in the restoration of the Jewish people to their own land, he says that Christian Zionism is committed to what I term a territorial religion. It assumes that God's interests are focused <clears throat> on a land, a locale, and a place. And then we say here, notice the last sentence of this statement by Dr. Burge. It assumes that God's interests <clears throat> are focus on a land, a locale, and a place. Is it a blind assumption that God is jealous over Zion? Was the covenant God made with Abraham and confirmed with an oath just an assumption on Abraham's part? And remember the, the covenant that God made with Abraham that he would bring them, he and the Jewish people, into their own land was everlasting. And all through the Bible, there's actually over uh, a hundred references in the Bible 
to the land being an everlasting promise to the Jewish people. So was this covenant God made with Abraham and confirmed with an oath just an assumption on Abraham's part? In this one line, you can see the depth of error in replacement theology. There is no assumption in promise. When God makes a covenant, it is unbreakable. We can never assume that it will be broken. Dr. Burge goes on to say, from a New Testament perspective, the land is holy by reference to what transpired there in history, but no longer has an intrinsic part to play in God's program for the world. And so the, the, the question is, is this accurate? Does the land of Israel play any intrinsic part in God's program for the world? Well, would the second coming of Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, have anything to do with God's program for the world? The Jewish Messiah is not returning to New York or Los Angeles. In fact, he is touching his feet upon the Mount of Olives, which, by the way, uh, coincidentally, is in Jerusalem, the city of David, the holy city. It's located geographically in a land, a locale, and a place called Israel. And actually, it is impossible to discuss God's program for the world without talking about the land of Israel. I was talking to my son the other night because my father was Jewish, and so I have Jewish descent, Jewish blood. And so when I go to Israel, there's something in me. It just, it just, it's supernatural. And it's because you cannot separate a Jew from the land because the covenant God gave with Abraham was for a people and for a place, a locale uh, known as the, the land of Israel, the promised land. And so you can't discuss God's program for the world without talking about the land of Israel. One thinking otherwise would have to be persuaded by 1,900-year-old replacement theology that demands and insists that God has forgotten the Jews and his covenant with them. So Dr. Bird seems to indicate that the PLO's claim that they own the land carries more weight than God's word. In defending Palestinian claims to the land, he states in the preface to his book, uh, Whose Land, Whose Promise, does such a claim from the Bible trump a claim to historical residence? And so what he's saying is the Bible is trumped by the Arab people who say this is not Jewish land, it belongs to us. So their claim to historical residence trumps actually the word of God itself. So when we come back from the break, we're going to investigate in the New Testament what the New Testament writers declared about the land because Gary Burt says there's nowhere in the New Testament that has any reference to the land of Israel. We'll catch you on the other side of the break. Hello, I'm Aaron Free, President of Israel Team Advocates. Israel Team is standing in the gap for the Jewish people in a time of growing anti-Semitism in America. And there are many forces, even within Christianity, that want to divide the land of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. There has to be those who proclaim the truth about Israel in a time when nations are calling for her demise. Our organization works on college campuses where anti-Israelism is in vogue, especially on evangelical college campuses. Evangelical anti-Israel groups highly financed by George Soros and his Open Society organization are pushing evangelical millennials towards the abyss of anti-Semitism, and they are succeeding. One such group, the Telos Group, is funding 
all expense paid trips for young pastors and evangelical college students to Israel where they feed them lies about the Jewish people and the land and they come home anti-Israel. In just the last four years, evangelical young people have cut their support in half for Israel. In a survey in 2018, 69% of evangelical young people said they supported the Jewish people. A new survey in 2021 found that only 33% of evangelical young people support the state of Israel. So if we don't push back against the growing anti-Israelism within evangelical movement, evangelicalism could be anti-Israel within just a few short years. I'm asking you to help Israel team in this fight. I'm asking you to stand with us as we stand for God's covenant with Abraham and the land and the great nation that God has building in Israel. Will you give to Israel Team today? And there's two ways you can give. Go to our website, israelteam.org, to donate section and you can give securely online be sure to give us your mailing address so that we can send you our new book the casualty of contempt you can also mail your donation to israel team find our address on our website israelteam.org that's israelteam.org this is israel and you bringing israel and the jewish people into focus hey, welcome back to israel and you and we're looking at what dr gary burge professor at Wheaton College for 15 years. He's now at Calvin uh, College in um, Michigan. What he says about the denial of the land of Israel to the Jewish people, it's what he proclaims in his replacement theology. And uh, here's what he says. Christ is the reality behind. This is on page 113 of my book with Coach McCartney, Two Minute Warning. Uh, He says, um, Christ is the reality behind all earthbound promises. Land is rejected as the aim of faith. Land is spiritualized as meaning something else. The promise is historicalized in Jesus, a man who lives in the land. Whatever the land meant in the Old Testament, whatever the promise contained, this now belongs to Christians. The land was a metaphor, a symbol of a greater place beyond the soil of Canaan. So has God given us the right to change a promised piece of actual real estate into something that's ethereal, metaphorical, and spiritual? So the very title of Dr. Burge's book, Whose Land, Whose Promise, calls into question the validity of God's covenant with Abraham. Dr. Burge tells us the answer to the question, who owns the land, is not an easy one. Here's what he says. The answer is not just a matter of pointing to the promise of Abraham, identifying modern Israel as heirs to those promises, and then theologically justifying the Israeli land claim. On the contrary, Christian theology demands that the true recipients of these promises will be found in the Christian church. Perhaps the church alone receives these promises. So what he's saying is the land belongs to Christians. But my question is, if the land is no longer important, why are you even arguing over who owns the land? But he's, he's convoluted by saying it, it just can't belong to Jews. That's what, I, that's what he's saying. It can't belong to Jews. Uh, Christians inherit all, all of the land promises. And so he completely denies God's covenant with Abraham. It's basically been historicalized. It's really a metaphor of something else to come. It's a very ethereal promise, but it means nothing, according to Dr. Gary Burge. Well, the Bible, throughout the Bible, 
uh, Old Testament and New Testament, uh, there's reference after reference after reference to the land of Israel. One interesting passage is, is found um, when, when Jesus says in, in the scripture, um, in Matthew nineteen twenty eight, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And remember, Israel is, is a people, and it's also a land. So Jesus talks about, at the, in the new world, there's still going to be a land of Israel. When he returns, he's coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And there's an interesting passage in um, the book of Jeremiah 31 through 35 and 36. This is what the Lord says. He who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord Almighty is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will Israel ever cease being a nation before me. This is what the Lord says. Only if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below be searched out, will I reject all the descendants of Israel. And guess what? We haven't measured the heavens yet. We, we really can't even get out of our own galaxy. We've never seen the outer limits of the universe. So if we can do that, which we'll never be able to do, uh, God says, then the foundations of the earth will, uh, the earth below will be searched out. I will reject my descendants, Israel. So if we can research all the foundations of the inner core of the earth, if we can see out into the outer limits of the universe, then God says, you know, my, my covenant with Israel is over. But what he's saying is it'll never be over. Because those things will never happen. And so if you want to know if God still cares about the land, if his covenant uh, through Abraham and his descendants of a people known as the Jewish people and the land of Israel, if that covenant is broken, if you want to know if it is or, not, or isn't, just go out uh, tonight and see if there's still the moon and see if there's still the stars. And in the daytime, look up into the heavens and see if you can see the sun and if it's still shining by day the sun and if the stars and the moon are shining by night God says in Jeremiah 31 35 to 37 only if these decrees vanish from my sight declares the Lord will Israel ever cease from being a nation before me so how is it and this is a deep question how is it that replacement theologians today uh, wherever I go, in, in seminaries and Bible colleges and Christian universities, this is being taught on our campuses and Christian college campuses once again. It was taught in Nazi Germany on uh, Christian campuses and seminaries and churches. The Nazis, uh, Christians, those that had embraced the Nazi movement, firmly believed that God had rejected the Jewish people. And they taught that in their seminaries. It's being taught once again. And so tell me how they can proclaim that God no longer cares about the land or the Jewish people. And the only way that you can say that is, is how Gary Burge says it, that uh, the Abrahamic covenant was a metaphor of something greater, that the land no longer matters, that, that God can break a covenant. So if you're listening to this and you're, you name the name of Christ, listen, if God can break a covenant, if he can break the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
that he confirmed over and over and over again, over a hundred times, speaking of his covenant with Abraham. If he can break that covenant, he can break any covenant. He can break the new covenant. And those of you who name the name of Christ, you believe in the new covenant of uh, the grace and the mercy of Jesus through his shed blood. And so if God can break the covenant with Abraham, he can break the covenant with you. So the, the fact is God never breaks a covenant. He never will. And the covenant he made with Abraham was unconditional. He didn't say, Abraham, I'm going to give you this land if, if you're a good Jewish guy and, and your descendants are, are really good and they follow all the law. In fact, God says, you know, at one point you're going to walk away and you're going to be dispersed throughout the nations. Yes, you're going to break my law and you will be dispersed out of your land. You'll be kicked out. And the Jews in the Old Testament, think about it, the, the Babylonian captivity, uh, on and on and on, the Assyrian captivity, the Romans plundering the temple and, and uh, driving the Jews out of Israel. And so God says, you're going to be driven out to the nations, but uh, my love for you will never cease. I'm always your father. Uh, I'm like a, a, a mother eagle that's always hovering over you. I will bring you back to your own land, and you will be planted once again, never to be uprooted, promise after promise after promise. And so today, the state of Israel is a modern-day miracle. It is absolutely a modern-day miracle. If, if you go to the state of Israel and you walk, you will meet people as you walk through the streets. You'll meet people from all over the world, Jewish people. Uh, my first trip to Israel, I was walking down a beach with my wife, and uh, there was a Jewish couple. We stopped to talk to them. They were from Scotland. And I said, you know, what brings you here? They said, you know, there was just like this uh, desire in our hearts. We don't know why, what happened to us, but we just felt like we had to make Aliyah. We had to come back to our land. We met another lady from uh, Guatemala and uh, with a, you know, thick uh, uh, accent. And, you know, we said, what brought you here? She said, you know, I, I was raised in Guatemala. My, my family, we fled out of Europe during the Holocaust. We came to, uh, you know, Guatemala. And by the way, the, the, one of the cities in the world that has the highest population of, of Jewish people is Mexico City, Mexico. And it's because the Jews fled there um, after the Holocaust and they built communities and, and synagogues. And so this lady said, there was something in my heart. I, I needed to come back. So thousands upon thousands, millions of Jews have come back from the nations of the earth where they were scattered. And what God scatters, he will gather. And the same goes for you. Maybe you're away from the Lord and, and you feel like you've, you've stepped away from him. Uh, God is the hound of heaven, someone once said, and he will find you. Um, his love for you is great and you know maybe it is time for you to return to the Lord something is in your heart uh, to return and so we're gonna have to catch this uh, on our next program we're gonna look at some of the new scholarship being written by Christian theologians today that are refuting men like Gary Burge and Stephen Zeiser and they're talking about how the New Testament specifically speaks uh, throughout the New Testament about the land of Israel uh, in the words of Jesus as well speaking about the land uh, the land has never been forgotten by God that he gave it to the Jewish people 
and uh, the descendants of Abraham through Isaac. So on our next time together, we'll get deeper into this Bible study of the land of Israel in the New Testament. We'll see you next time.